All right, here we are, Genesis chapter, uh, not chapter, but uh, lesson number nine, Genesis, the foundation book of the Bible. So far we have uh, looked at the first four days of creation, day number one, time, space, matter are created. I'm going to go through these quickly, we've already done this. Day number two, water, atmosphere, water canopy, so the water on the earth, the atmosphere around the earth and then the water canopy that surrounded that. Day number three, uh, water and land are separated and then vegetation is uh, created. Day number four, the sun, the moon and the stars. So like I say, just, just kind of laying them out there um, uh, a day at a time. Uh, this, uh, in this lesson we're going to continue with the fifth day uh, and the creation of the next order of life. So let us look at Genesis uh, chapter 1 verse uh, 20 and uh, 21. It says, Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the water swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Uh, God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning, a fifth day, fifth day. All right, so this is, um, there is a distinction here about the different levels of creation. Uh, until now, all things that have been created have, has no consciousness. Trees, water, planets, stars, no consciousness. Matter, vegetation is changeable, it's usable, but it has no consciousness. On day number five, however, God creates creatures that have life or soul. Those two words become interchangeable. Uh, and in this context, it means consciousness. When we say something has life in it, it means it has consciousness. So on day five, God creates the creatures that will inhabit the water and, uh, and the air. So some things to note about the creation of these creatures. First of all, uh, evolution says that uh, a fragile blob of something, some sort of primal soup, comes together and there's some sort of electric force or something that happens and then you wait several million years and poof, here we are. We evolve. Genesis says that the waters suddenly swarmed with living creatures and the sky was filled with birds. The difference is in creation, God creates things as they are. In evolution, uh, the theory says these things evolve. Um, another thing that happens, it's the first time the term life or soul appears and it refers to the quality of consciousness possessed by animals and man that plants and rocks do not have. Now this is significant in the sense that this is the second major act of creation. First, there is the bringing into being the reality of time and space 
and energized matter. And then this is shaped and organized. Next, there is brought into being the reality of consciousness, which is at first put into the water and air creatures. Okay. Now, specific animals are mentioned. The Hebrew word tanin has also been translated as sea monsters or dragons. The references to dragons or sea monsters in the Bible come from this word. This word also includes the term whale, which we are familiar with today. You know, the sea creatures, the, 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 the great creatures. Well, you know, the whales fit into that category. Also another interesting note about what we've just read is that things or, or these creatures were created ready to reproduce. Again, it's mentioned that they had the power to reproduce and according to modern DNA research, this would mean that there could be a wide variety within a species, but one species did not evolve into another species. Okay? So you have a certain type of fish you know, and various different types of fish within a group, but fish don't become uh, birds. Uh, fish don't become dogs. So this, uh, an evolution, if you wish, a microevolution within a species, but not from one species uh, to another, uh, unless originally created by God. You know, tadpoles become frogs. Uh, caterpillars uh, become butterflies, but God made them that way. Right? Another note, these are just miscellaneous uh, notes on this passage. God blesses His creation. God pronounces that what He sees is good and He also pronounces a blessing on these creatures. Notice He didn't say this about the, uh, the stars, the uh, inanimate object. He didn't say that about those things, but about the creatures, he says that. Their role is to be fruitful, in other words, to multiply, to fill their habitats. Same command was given after the flood. Now in other places, the Bible we see, in other places in the Bible, we see that God continually cares for and provides for this part of His creation. In Matthew 6, verse 26, it says, look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So you know, we're not deists. We don't believe that God just started everything, then stepped back, He's not involved. We're theists. We believe that God not only created the world, but is also involved in the world. Involved not just with us, but with the entire uh, creation. You know, the best argument for environmental protection is not that we will become extinct if we're not careful. That argument is not valid because only God has the power to destroy the world. Man doesn't have that power. I mean, he's made, it a, he's made a mess of it, but man, mankind doesn't have the power to destroy the earth. Only God has that power. The best argument is that we're partners with God in maintaining and managing His creation and it is part of our responsibility to do so. It's an act of faith to do so. Whether you only 
own a, you know, a quarter acre lot, you know, well that, you're responsible for that lot to take care of it. Or you're a big time rancher with 10,000 acres, you're responsible to the, to the earth because God created it. And you know, the command that He gave to Adam, that's still in force. That's still in force. We're to be good stewards of what God has created. You know, we, as Christians, we, we ought not to be against environmentalism just as a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, it's an important thing to manage and to be a good steward of the land, of the earth and the water and the air and so on and so forth. It's just that the reason we do that is because God has given us that responsibility, not because we're afraid we'll become extinct. This is why the passage says that He makes and not creates animal life. He's already created conscious life forms. Now He makes another variety to live on the, to live on the land. All right, so the land animals are not categorized in the same way as modern scientific systems, you know, amphibians, reptiles, mammals, insects, so on and so forth. They're given only three natural categories. First category is uh, cattle, uh, domestic uh, animals or uh, domesticated animals, not just cows, but all domestic type animals. The Hebrew word here referred to any type of four-legged uh, animals. Hang on, I got to. There we go. Uh, then wild beasts referred to these animals of a, a larger size, which were not normally used in domestic purposes. You know, wild animals probably includes dinosaurs. This is where the wild beasts are. And creeping things. Wild beasts and creeping things. Insects, smaller reptiles, amphibians, small animals like moles and rats and so on and so forth. And I think we need to, um, uh, let me see, we need to read verse 24 and 5 here. It says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind and God saw that it was good. Sorry, I should have read that before, but before we broke down the, uh, the categories. So uh, let's, uh, let's have some things to think about, some notes that we can make concerning the, um, uh, concerning the, um, the creation of, of animals. So first of all, the Genesis account contradicts the evolutionary account. In the evolutionary account, um, there's a progression. Insects, amphibians, reptiles, mammals, you know, they, they kind of evolve in that, in, that, uh, in that sequence. The Genesis account tells us that everything is made simultaneously. So as a matter of fact, evolution places insects and the others before the birds. Genesis puts birds first and these afterwards. Another thing, uh, some say that dinosaurs and men cannot have existed at the same time. You know, they say uh, dinosaurs you know, existed millions of years before men did. However, however uh, we have uh, seen instances where dinosaur prints and human prints have been found in the very same place side by side. Several examples of that. We talked about that in another lesson. Another point I think it's important to think about is that 
in Genesis, there's no survival of the fittest going on. That concept, you know, the survival of the fittest, that, that's not a biblical concept. That's a human concept. That's an evolutionary, an evolutionary concept. You know, God sees that what He has made is good. No, there is no competition for existence in the pre-sin world. In the pre-sin world, what does God do? He gives to man all the vegetation to eat. Man doesn't eat the animals. <laughs> the animals don't eat each other in the pre-sin world. So there isn't this competition for survival. There's harmony, not just between man and man, but there's harmony between the animals. The, 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 the creation is balanced. All creatures naturally fit into the environment that has been created for them. And then another point, all of these have souls or consciousness and are made up of the elements that already exist and to which they will return when they die. We're talking about the, you know, the animals of the air, the, the beasts of the field and so on and so forth. Don't, don't be confused. Sometimes the, in the Bible, especially in the Proverbs, you know, and uh, the, the Solomon talks about you know, the animals having souls and people have kind of extrapolated that they have, he means they have sentient life. There's a big difference between sentient life and spiritual life. You know, dogs have sentient life. Dogs are like alive. You know what I'm saying? They know you're their master and they're happy to see you. you know, they have sentient, you can say, come here boy, sit, you know, roll over, here's your food. You know, they have a soul in the sense of sentient life, but they don't have a spirit. They don't have the spirit that's breathed into them you know, by God. Only human beings have the spirit breathed into them by God and thus are in the image of God. Animals have life, quote, a soul, a sentient life, but it's of a different quality. Once their life is over, there is no afterlife for animals. Okay? I, know, I know people would love to see that. You know, they, <laughs> Some folks who are animal lovers, you know, one day they're going to see Fido again, but that's not so. <laughs> when Fido dies, he goes back completely to what he was, part of the earth. So the earth is now ready for God's final creation, which will be the creation of man. 